type. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Back together again on your radio on a Saturday morning. Hey, it's Ashley Frasca. Welcome to Green and Growing. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you found us on 95.5 WSB. Talking about everything outdoors, lawns, gardens, flowers, anything else. We talk about a host of things. Animals from time to time. Um, So really glad you tuned in to join us today. Today, it's a little bit of a focus around bugs. Uh, Not that we're not going to be talking about other things, but uh, I've gotten a few emails and concerns. People are already thinking ahead to May in this whole 17-year cicada thing, and if there's anything to the hype. Um, So I am going to ask who better than Walter Reeves. He was around for the last one 17 years ago and can tell us a little bit about that and whether or not we should be cowering or clamoring about it, or what the deal is. And then um, an interview that I took a long time to put together, Dr. Daniel Potter, he is from the entomology department, a professor at the University of Kentucky, and I heard him do a fascinating webinar about pollinators and honeybee colony collapse and things like that, and wanted to ask him a little more um, about that and the things that he taught us in the webinar. So he will be along at 7 o'clock to talk about some of our pollinators and honeybees and some other really interesting things, too. Just great research being done there um, by some of his graduate students as well. And then some alternatives to flowers. If you're looking for more greenery, more foliage in the garden, Pike Nursery comes along at 8.30 to share some ideas with us and some tips. So I hope you'll stay along. 404 Already calling in early on a Saturday morning. Nicole, hey there. Hi, Ashley. How are you doing? I am fantastic. How about you? Fine, fine, fine. Oh, nice weather. Yes, uh, but was... it's going to be wet again. Like, I, things dried out just enough yesterday afternoon to where I got in the yard, dug up some hostas, and I wasn't playing in the mud. You know, it was a little dry. Um, but some of the hail that Woodstock got night before last already tore holes and slits in the leaves of my hostas, the leaves that had already opened. So I was kind of bummed to see that. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we had like probably larger than pea size hail. And it only lasted for maybe three or four minutes, but it was enough to really shred some leaves. Yeah. So it was, uh, but we didn't, we didn't have it near as bad. Now I do want to say I've been watching uh, Channel 2 Action News is live on the scene in uh, Noonan around, you know, Noonan High School in Coweta County and all of that. Christian Jennings, my colleague reporting live from down there. And I just prayers for the people that were, impacted that cleanup is going to take a long long time and cartersville was hit as well so how did you fare in griffin just a lot of rain we're just lucky because you never know uh when the next one's gonna hit it can be a house it can be you know it's just uh but i went around union yesterday and uh didn't go downtown there's too much traffic anyway and uh boy it was jammed there you know. you know, and I saw a post, I can't remember if it was on Facebook or Twitter, but I think the Coweta County Sheriff's Office was asking people, anybody that has a chainsaw, if you can just step forward, come volunteer, help us help us out. I think that was an amazing call to action for people that didn't know what to do or how to help. Um, but my question, too, is with a lot of the debris from the buildings that were torn apart, bricks and siding and lumber and all this strewn about, like, how the cleanup process goes there, you know, if there's some... Re- reuse in some of that maybe someone can collect the bricks and you know have have another purpose for them or if it's just going to be a bunch of dumpsters over the next few months i'm not really sure 
Yeah, try to give always a second use to everything mm-hmm. you can. Mm-hmm. You know, bricks here are used, or wood, firewood, you know, a campfire and... You know what I saw, too? This made me think of you because you're pretty handy with reusing things, Nicole. Cinder blocks. People take cinder blocks, you know, and they've got the two square holes in them. And painting them and staggering them in such a way that you can build your own little step garden. Put just enough dirt in each of the side of the cinder block and, you know, plant little annuals or something. It's a good idea. Ashley, you crossed my mind. I did that last year because <laughs> I had a lot of time. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't put them uh, just straight. I, I did a, a nice curve mm-hmm. so it's appealing, you know, and I painted in red, white, and blue. That is so And cool. yeah, I planted some stuff in it, some daffodils, but uh, the rest of the year it's it's empty because of daffodils. Then I was thinking to put some uh, anything. No ivy. Yeah. No, 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 no. Creeping oh. Jenny, maybe. Creeping Jenny is nice. It's not super invasive, right? Yeah. Oh, creeping Jenny is great. If you have a spot that uh, the grass don't grow, just mm-hmm. put it there. Mm-hmm. And it's just changed color because it's starting to get green. But in wintertime, it, it stay like a reddish thing. And creeping Jenny, when I was at the Master Gardener, uh, win an award that year. Because I don't know who find it, who done it, because they cross, you know, a lot of stuff. And uh, it's just a good filler, and it's cascading, too. You put them in the – but it likes to be dry, no wet, because uh, just of the leaf, you know, thickness of the leaves. Well, you know, I've still got some annuals planted mm-hmm. that like the colder weather. Uh, primrose, for example, you know, do pretty well in the cold, and – the pansies don't mind the cold, but it's almost getting a little too hot for those. I mean, my uh, the leaves of my primrose are like frying because, I mean, they're taking in a lot of water with it being hot. And I think tomorrow might be close to 80. Like, so we're really having to, uh, you know, adapt accordingly, but still hold out for that last chance of a frost. Yeah, um, you never know. But over the weekend, it's uh, full moon. So always, the last full moon, I'm always afraid that, you know. But I think 80 this afternoon should be uh, okay, you know. And uh, I went to, uh, did you ask Mr. Reeve about chicken? Oh, I want you to do a segment on chicken. Okay. And what, went, they, what they like to eat, I remember that. Yes, they don't like carrots. You know, that's I mean, you need, to, you need to set me up an interview with one of the chickens that you know, that you're familiar with, that's friendly, and I'll just ask him. Ah, I cannot catch him. <laughs> well, <laughs> I cannot catch him. But I get to the point now that I go downhill and the big rooster is, oh, 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 and all the females following him. So they know. Oh. And I went to, well, I worked not too far from a farm. You wouldn't believe the stuff I find in the dumpster. Watermelon. They love watermelon, cantaloupe, uh, tomatoes, and uh, no potatoes. No. They love the green stuff because I do a lot of uh, weeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, weed hell this week. Oh, yeah. And uh, I put them in a the container and bring them. Oh, boy, they're just put their little paws and their little neck, you know. They don't sound too picky. Uh, they would eat anything. Yeah. Yeah, they're not picky at all. Yeah, as so. long as they got a little grain. Well, that food. may be a good topic. I'm, I mean, I'll certainly find someone maybe from the University of Georgia or whatever that can speak to raising chickens and what to do with chicks and things like that. You know, what's good about university or the extension, mm-hmm. all, not all of them, but most of them, they share 
uh, information because they're always discovering or mixing things, and uh, they all share. So uh, from Texas and Virginia and Tennessee, that's what good information is. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not proprietary, you know, like, oh, we're just going to keep that research here in no. Georgia and not share it. So absolutely, you're right. I mean, they all put their heads together at some of the best and the brightest that are in the extension service yeah. that share yeah. all that knowledge and want to make everybody else successful. And speaking of sharing knowledge, Nicole, before you go, I have to tell you, you did inspire me to do a little bit more research on invasive plants, just kind of filling people in on what they are, how to treat them, what to stay away from. So later in the show, I may not have the time now, I am going to be sharing some of that information from the, uh, some of my research was from the Georgia Invasive Species Task Force and also the Georgia Exotic uh, Pest Plant Council. So thank you for having me, giving me the idea to research that a little bit, and then, you know, giving folks alternatives instead of doing something invasive that you and your neighbors are going to hate five or ten years from now, some alternatives and better things to plant, because we're still in the planting mood. Uh, did you, changing subject, did you uh, ever pet a, a camel? Pet a camel? Yes. No, I don't believe I ever have done that. Well, there's a circus at the uh, racetrack over the weekend. Oh, Hampton? There's, yeah, the big, big tent. And uh, uh, I saw a camel, a little, a little um, horse, and big horse. And uh, Well, I have a horse. Her name's Shadow. <laughs> My oh, dog. Yes. Oh, yes. She is. She, she is. is. A but a camel, they spit on you, don't they? Or is that llamas? Uh, they, have, they have their own tem- temperament. <laughs> I feed. I had fifty pound of carrot. I couldn't do anything with it. So I stopped by and I feed him. Oh, oh. he was happy. And the little horse, they love carrots. You oh, know. sweet. So the people know go someplace over the weekend to get your mind off uh, killing and stealing and good grief. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I woke up to more headlines about uh, shootings, and we, we don't even want to go there. Ah, so we got we got to find something happy, and even though there's a little bit of a chance of rain this weekend, I still suppose people can spend some time outdoors. We're going to try to smoke a brisket on the smoker today and hope that, you know, we can have a nice time out on the back deck and be smoking that and not even worry about the rain. But I think tomorrow... Better, better plan for some indoor stuff, which reminds me, Nicole, we need to tell people if they planted their uh, seeds, you know, for their warm season vegetables back three or four weeks ago, they've got to be staying on top of that. When they're inside, if they've put it in a room that they don't go in often or they don't think about, they got to be checking to make sure the, the little seedlings have plenty of moisture, they're staying wet, got a little fan blowing on them to prevent damping off, and some may be close to transplanting into another little container. Yeah, and change the lightning. Yeah. I mean, uh, just move them from one room that, so that they get adapted. Because if you put them, they're going to burn out. Yeah. They need to adapt like uh, the houseplant. You know? Great advice. Yeah, and when it's time, hardening them off and bringing them outside and, you know, exposing them to a little sunlight at a time, not direct sunlight, but just getting them, you know, strengthened up to be ready to plant outside. But not yet. We're not going to plant them outside just yet. <laughs> And we'll get into that with Bob and Marietta. He's asking that very question. So we'll definitely get into trying to predict the weather, which, you know, in Georgia is unpredictable. So, well, Nicole, I'm glad you called. And I may uh, find some time this weekend to go pet a camel. We'll see. Enjoy your day. <laughs> I'm glad you called. Have a good weekend. Bye. I've never been asked if I've ever pet a camel, but now I kind of want to. All right. 619 here on WSB. Got to step out, check traffic and weather, and we'll be back. I'll give you the top three things to get done in the landscape this weekend and this coming week. Stay tuned to Green and Growing.
Many, many Luke Bryan songs, Kenny Chesney songs make me think about summertime, being out on the water. So we're not far from that. Hey, folks, thanks for being here. Uh, The update on the weather. Let's see what we have for you here. 63 degrees. It's warming up a little bit. Cloudy today, high around 81. There we are with the hot weather. Goodness gracious. Scattered showers, mostly cloudy with just a few of those showers or thunder showers, but mainly the northern half of metro Atlanta. Funny how I-20 is always the dividing line for things like that scattered thunderstorms tomorrow 70 percent chance you're going to hit with some rain high of 75 low of 45 and the rain into your work week green and growing growing with ashley frasca here's your garden to-do list this week finley roofing sponsors the weather update and i sponsor this to-do list for you i come up with the best three things the most seasonal timely three things for you to be doing so number one for scythia Quince and winter honeysuckle can all be pruned to a much smaller size after flowering. That forsythia is already going from yellow to green, so it may be about time. Number two, it's not too late for spring seeding of fescue. Praying for warm weather so the seeds sprout quickly and then wait to apply a pre-emergent in about late April. That way that grass seed is established by then. Again, not all, but many weeds will be prevented with a later treatment of pre-emergence. You just have to wait until the fescue seeds have started germinating. And number three, remove spent camellia blooms from the bush and from the ground. I know that seems like a little of a backbreaking task, but you'll prevent camellia petal blight. So that pathogen infects flowers soon after they begin to open, and that could really go through April. If the petals are browning, just look at the bottom of the blossom. That way we, we did have some cold snaps. Make sure there's a difference between the freeze damage and the petal blight. But if the petals are browning, just look at the bottom of the blossom. And if there's a white ring at the base where the petals come together, that's what that is. So once those become effective, you have to remove the flowers from under the bushes, just good sanitation practices. All right, want to take a call really quickly before we head to the news. Bob and Marietta, hey, welcome to the show. Hey, Ashley. Hi, Bob. Listen. Yeah. I've talked talked with you and Walter in the past Oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And you probably recognize my voice. Uh, I'm not a computer person, so I'm really hoping you can help me. Yeah. I have some banana trees uh-huh. that I, of course, cut down in the fall mm-hmm. and cover them up with pastel and leaves. Good. I want to know when you think last frost will be so I can uncover the banana trees. Yeah, and I'm so glad you've been really careful and really safe with those banana trees. We've had a couple other callers around Metro Atlanta facing kind of the same thing. So I will tell you, well, I can't tell you when I think the last frost will be, but Kirk Mellish and I were just going back and forth, back and forth on Twitter uh, just yesterday and I was in Pike Nursery, and I was looking at all the, you know, annuals that they've got. And, of course, they do have some pepper plants and things like that ready to put out. But he reminded me on Twitter as I'm showing all these lovely plants that I just want to buy them all and plant them all. Uh, two-day frost risk next weekend, he says, maybe a freeze. So seven days out from now, Kirk's looking at all the, the forecasts and the models, a two-day frost risk. So... Not sure how low that's going to go. Um, we'll have to kind of wait and see. But since you, you're not a computer guy, Bob, and kudos to you. I wish I was not a computer person either, but I live and die by them. 
Um, you'll have to listen to Kirk here, you know, on WSB throughout the week as he updates the forecast. And really when we get closer to that, because we don't want to be premature in putting any of our vegetables out. We don't want to be premature in uncovering those things that are really susceptible to a frost. So we may have one more. My goodness. And, and that's probably about timed out right you know the beginning of april but we have had it as late as april 17th when i was just going back looking through the university of georgia statistics as well so kind of play it by ear week by week just because we're getting into the 80s today and tomorrow don't be faked out i'm glad you called bob take care this weekend all right we're going to check in with robin walensky and up next walter reeves and i talk about the things that are bugging you they're really loud they're big they're kind of just creepy cicadas you're going to learn a lot. Stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Awaiting a very special phone call here on Green and Growing as we do this time every Saturday. The former host of the Lawn and Garden Show, Walter Reeves, calls in. He's calling in here in just a few minutes for Walter Wonders talking about cicadas. My goodness, that just makes my skin crawl. Um, but watching the news and the coverage of Noonan and the tornadoes that went through Coweta County uh, in the catastrophic aftermath of this week's tornadoes, you can help the Red Cross provide relief and assistance to those in dire need right now. Just text Red Cross to 90999 to make a $10 donation from your phone. Very quick and easy. Thank you very much from the Red Cross and from us here at 95.5 WSB. Hel- neighbors helping neighbors. That's what we do here And out in Rockdale County, I'm really glad that a caller just reminded our phone screener, DeMarco, that it is the Cherry Blossom Festival. My goodness. I mean, that is the first festival that I've heard of in more than a year. And I'm I'm thrilled for the folks out in Conyers for the Cherry Blossom Festival. 40 and fabulous. So I hope it's going to be a great weekend for all of you out there today and tomorrow, 10 to 5. Um, The only thing that's going to be a little different, yeah, people will be wearing masks and all of that, but also no cash accepted. So we're not going to exchange cash and all that stuff be a little more hygienic, I guess, by using debit cards and credit cards. So be prepared uh, going out there with some plastic. So that's going to be fun. A great time at the Georgia International Horse Park. And if you want to go and look really smart as you're going around looking at all the cherry blossoms, I mean, hopefully the rain didn't just rain a lot of them off. Um, But go to my Facebook page, go to Green and Growing WSB on Facebook and go to the photo album Highway Horticulture. And I have posted pictures of three different varieties of cherry trees so that you will be so smart and point it out to the kids and be like, that was a Yoshino. That was an Okami. Okami was one of the very first ones to start flowering over a month ago. And right now the weeping cherry trees are looking beautiful. So I've posted pictures of the flowers of all three of those varieties. So go ahead and school yourself just a little bit before you Head out to the Georgia International Horse Park today. All right, he's on the line. He's with us, ready to join us live. Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. And he's back, ladies and gentlemen. You know to expect the former host of the Lawn and Garden Show, Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, on with me every Saturday morning. Walter, welcome back. I'm cowering in my bed. I'm <laughs> terrified. What's bugging you? 
cicada apocalypse is coming. Cicadas are coming, Ashley, and we're just terrified in the insect world. You know, I got to admit, I have definitely received a few questions about that. And I think, is it the news attaching one of those stories trying to create panic? But I had (laughs) Melissa Joe wrote in on Facebook about a month ago and said, are you going to discuss cicadas? Someone told me they're swarming this year. How do we plan for that? So maybe she's Uh cowering too. Well, swarming isn't quite the right word. They are going to emerge in one big swoop in Uh May and probably mid-May when you see the first ones coming in. It's good to educate before they actually come out and you're all freaked out because a million per acre could be the number coming out in not so much North Georgia, but a lot of the parts of Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Ohio, up through there. It'll be on the news. You can guarantee it'll be on the news. So people will ask here in Georgia about cicadas. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so what I know about cicadas, at least, they cause damage to plants because they lay the eggs and all of that kind of thing. But no health threat at all to us or our pooches or our cats or anything like that. So I guess we could start off with that good news. Well, the good news, too, is they are edible. You can eat them, Ashley Fraskin. No, I'm good. (laughs) Come on now. I get my protein from other sources, okay? (laughs) Uh, Well, I saw an analysis the other day of how much protein and fat and minerals and things like that they have in them. And the guy who was providing the information was talking about how much they tasted like shrimp. Oh, and when they're younger, they're tenderer, and so get them when they come right out of the ground and eat them then. Okay, so this is this is the cicada. <laughs> this is the thing that we also, you know, hear the seventeen-year locust. Even though they're not locusts, people say yeah. that. But I mean, is that true? They emerge about every seventeen years, or is it like it's on the crazy. dot exactly? Yeah. Two thousand three, seventeen years ago, about oh. I was doing television in Cincinnati. And they'd come out that year, and they were so deafeningly loud that we had to cut off and do our TV show for two weeks. Well, it was so noisy because we just couldn't do no. TV outdoors. It was too loud. Really? 17 years ago. You know, I'm thinking in 2003, I was on the campus of the University of Georgia, and I think I've told you this story before. But, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time outdoors in the campus, you know, walking to class and just yeah. milling around. And I remember hearing those sounds, and I just always thought, stupid me thought it was like the crosswalk making that noise and I always thought man that is the strangest sounding crosswalk but come to find out probably 2003 that's what it was and it's important to remember too that there are two kinds of cicadas there are the periodical cicadas which is what we're talking about here the Mm -hmm. 17 year and some 13 year cicadas that come out in that interval and then there are annual cicadas, dog day cicadas, as people call them, that are common in Georgia every year. The okay. annual cicadas will come out in the fall. There is slight differences between their life cycles and uh, how what they do when they're outside of the earth where they live most of the time. But the annual cicadas are common. We hear them, and they sound like you said, across a crosswalk sign, like that. And the, and the periodical cicadas sound about the same except there's millions of them, millions in the trees all over the place. And when you say, you know, they're getting ready to emerge, like in May, what's yeah. what's the process there? Where are they coming from? Well, they've been living in the ground for 17 years, sucking very gently, very not much damage done at all to trees, but they live off the nutrients and moisture that comes from tree roots. And so that's where you see them emerge. Once they've matured after 17 years, there's some signal that sets them all off, and they come out of the ground. And there'll be lots and lots of little holes about the size of your finger, 
fingertip, about a half inch diameter holes. And they crawl out of those holes and up the bark of the tree. And their creature, I guess we would call it, will split his back skin, his exoskeleton will split, and he will emerge from the exoskeleton. And it will keep crawling up the tree until mm-hmm. he gets to a limb. And I say he advisedly, because all the men are out there making noise, saying, hey, hey, baby, hey, come <laughs> on down here. I'm the best-looking cicada you have ever seen in your life. And I make my noise so pretty. <laughs> to attract the mate. Oh, the things you guys do to try to win us over. <laughs> I've never done that at a bar. No, I would <laughs> hope not. <laughs> so, you know, with this emergence of, of them this year, you know who's going to be really happy about it? Who? The uh, cicada killer. Oh, the cicada killer wasp. I mean, they're going to eat well, right? Yeah, they will be very, very well fed. Uh, cicada killer wasps, for those who do not know, are these humongous wasps that... Uh, takes cicadas and kills the female in this case, does all the work, and she takes the cicada up to the tree and kills it and then buries it in the ground and put, puts her eggs on it so her babies will have something to eat when they hatch out. And so these cicada killer wasps are completely harmless, but yet they're so big that people get freaked out by seeing them around. But they will definitely have a good year this year. And, you know, the University of Maryland has put out a a publication on this, too, in anticipation of this. And they recommend that if you intend to plant trees and shrubs in a year when these periodical ones are emerging, maybe delay it until the fall. So what do you think that means? Good advice. Real good advice. Yeah, I mean. females will, uh, once they're mated with a nicely sounding uh, cicada, they will go to the tips of the branches of trees, fruit trees could be, too. And they will make a little slit there and insert their eggs. And it has caused the end of the branch to flag to turn brown. And so mm-hmm. that's not a great look for your fruit trees or ornamental trees. And so it would be a good idea to wait for after they're all gone. The females are all gone so they don't hurt your tree when you plant it. So they don't eat the tree, but it's just the process right. of laying the eggs on it that, yeah. that kind of yeah. damage it. So, uh, so what, exactly. we're looking to deal with this for how many weeks? Usually just a couple, two or three maybe. And again, it's... It's nice to remind everybody they don't hurt you. They don't sting you. They don't bite. They don't do anything other than be a nuisance. They are, if there's a million of them around, then they'll be falling in your hair. They'll be yeah. you know, crawling in your house when you open the door. They'll be on the highway, just run over them, and they'll be oily place on the highway. The nuisance day is all they have to, to offer us, but uh, there'll be a lot of them, so it'll be, certainly be noticeable. So they say cicada emergence density can be as high as a million per acre. So I'm going to stay out of the woods in May and June. Like I am not. <laughs> well, shoot, I like camping, but that's just maybe not a place I'm going to be. And if you do wear a hoodie, that's a big <laughs> thing to have over your head, clear face mask or something so they don't fly into your face. You know, I don't think many of them do that, but they will. They'll be around. They'll fall out of the trees and they lose their grip and fall out of the trees and get into your hair. So that'd be sort of icky. Yuck. But I mean, so so the be all end all here is as as creepy as it sounds and as bizarre as this seventeen year thing is, nothing we need to be doing. Nothing. No no way to control it. No way in the world you could control a million per (laughs) acre. No way in the world. No. And I don't think there's as many cicada killers, you know, necessary to fight that either. Cicada killers here. And no spray, no nothing. You just have to know what's going on and be, you know, sort of admire nature for how nature provides for you. Some of its weirdest, oddest, bizarrest creatures. They're going to be here. Know what's going on. Don't worry about it too much. All right. We'll keep everybody posted as that approaches in May. Well, Walter, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks for stopping by.
I'll get back under the covers. I just don't want to see those creepy <laughs> things in my hair. No, keep a hood on or keep a pillow over your head or something. <laughs> so coming up in May, but really more impacting, like, what do you call that area? Kind of the, not the Midwest. Well, what do you call it? Like Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, the kind of Ohio River Valley area. So maybe not such a huge worry here in the Atlanta area. Well, as I spoke with Nicole earlier in the show about invasive plants, I did want to take a few minutes and share some of that information with you. So according to the Georgia Invasive Species Task Force, that includes plants that just are not native to a given ecosystem and whose presence there causes environmental or human harm. So when we talk about invasives, I mean, this is really something that people in the industry work to combat or just educate folks on so you don't make these mistakes. But harmful just means that when invasive species are in a new environment, it's an environment free from natural predators to that particular plant or you know natural parasites that know how to combat that. And they often have very high population sizes. The large populations can just outcompete and displace native species and reduce wildlife, food, and habitats. So something to think about. Uh, control, that includes, first and foremost, just not planting them. That's that's what the Extension Service uh, and the Georgia Forestry Commission and stuff do so much education. Controlling things quickly that are invasive if you spot them and identify them. And then you can report findings to your local Extension agent. You know, whenever you see something that just doesn't look right, that may be part of a larger picture that someone needs to know. So mechanical control is like burning it, uh, digging it out, cutting, mowing, like mowing down English ivy, I mean, that kind of thing. Uh, chemical, if, if you have to resort to that by use of a herbicide, and some are just absolutely necessary. Glyphosate uh, works to combat a lot of invasive plants, but again, it's going to be harmful to everything else around it, too. And a biological control, but that's something kind of beyond our realm. Eradication that's helped along by a predator, a parasite, or disease, something that's going to just naturally fight whatever that invasive species is. Uh, so some of the ones on the list, and you can find these, too, at Georgia Exotic Pest Plant Council or on the Georgia Invasive Species Task Force page. That's just invasive.org. That's a very good website to remember, invasive.org, and it's by the University of Georgia. But some of the ones that I personally have in my landscape that I've identified, mimosa, privet. You've always heard Walter over the years talk about Chinese privet, my goodness. Uh, Japanese honeysuckle, that can vine up to 80 feet and when it mats in the canopies of the trees and just gets so, so tall, it's shading everything else out. Uh, China berry tree, I, I have not seen one of those, but I'm familiar with them. Um, Japanese stilt grass, that can grow three feet high if not controlled and just continue to spread. Uh, golden bamboo, that produces by rhizomes, everything underground. Bamboo can take over an acre in a matter of years, uh, thrives in full sun. And kudzu, non-native wisterias. Wisteria is blooming right now. It's the purple that's hanging down that looks so beautiful. But there's American and then there's Asian wisteria. So one, you know, can be controlled a little bit better versus the other. So if you're going to plant wisteria in your landscape and you love it over a pergola or an arbor or something like that, make sure you've done your research before you put it in. So a little bit more about this later in the show. Coming up next at 7 o'clock, Dr. Daniel Potter from the University of Kentucky. We're going to be talking about pollinators and honeybees. Stay tuned to WSB.
So some festivals happening this weekend. I hope they can dodge the showers. Scattered showers today. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Mostly cloudy, but high of around 81. So put on the sunscreen. Low around 65 and then 70% chance for showers and some scattered thunderstorms tomorrow. Severe storms possible. Lows tomorrow night into Monday get down to like 42, 46 degrees around metro Atlanta. And uh, some of the rain for today, at least staying north metro Atlanta, maybe north of I-20. So just be mindful of that. Uh, 95.5 WSB and T-Mobile want to help your small business thrive. In 2021, we're giving a small business an advertising grant worth $10,000 to promote their business right here on these airwaves. So tell your friends, your neighbors, and any favorite small business owner that you may have. They can submit a nomination by visiting wsbradio.com. All right, 404-872-0750. That is the number that Richard in Cartersville called, and here he is. Hey, quickly, Richard, good morning. What's your question? Good morning, Ashley. Hey, I like your show. Thanks. And my, my question is, I've got hostas that's just started up, and I've got two new puppies, and they won't leave them alone. They're just trying to pull them up. And I've also got lilies in my little koi pond, and they want to pull them out of the pond, too. Or anything <laughs> that I can put on them to stop uh, that? You know, I don't really know of a repellent. Um, you know, if you sprinkle paprika or cayenne pepper or something out there, it's not going to last very long. It's just going to you know, get washed away or blown away. Um, I would do everything you can, especially if they're at the puppy phase, to train them to always go to the same spot. Like when Shadow was a puppy, we always promoted her going to the side of the driveway, that part, to potty, to go run and get out her zoomies, as my friends call them. Um, so stay out there with them and really try to control where they go. What was that, Jason? Oh, I was going to give you a suggestion yeah. that my wife uses. Yeah, what does she keep- do? Uh, all the cats and stuff out of plants. Yeah. She puts clear plastic forks with the tines poking <laughs> up so they don't walk around in them. They don't want to yeah. be in it. Richard, that may be something too so they don't get poked in their little paws. But that's interesting. Anna, Anna's good with animals. I know she... She came up with a good idea right. there. And the so. clear ones you can't even see, so you don't even, you really don't notice them around the plant. Yeah, and short fencing, obviously, is not going to do you any good because puppies can hop for sure. So, Richard, good luck. Just stay on top of it. Stay out there with them and kind of train them, take them to a different spot. Keep, good luck with the hostas, man. Mine, hail damage. Oh, I'm bummed, but they'll be all right. All right, stepping out. We're getting ready for 7 o'clock here on Green and Growing. Thanks for being here on WSB. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.